0: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. It is time for our first book club of 2021. And my question today for you, Samantha, is, were you into Greek
1: mythology I as was. a kid? I I was. I really was really big into all of that. Uh, I had the encyclopedia stuff, you know, how they had the story version of all Mm of that. Oh, And I would read those all the times growing up. Uh, Of course, I've kind of forgotten them since then. Uh, Uh So I kind of confused the names because they're similar stories, obviously, with different names. So I have a moment of like, who? Uh, But I did really enjoy it. As in fact, recently... which I love to see, we saw pretty much a battle of uh, Xena, Warrior Princess versus Hercules. And I'm pretty sure Xena won slash Lucy Lawless (laughs) in their Twitter fight. So uh, I just want to put that out there. (laughs) (laughs) You got to put that out there. I'm just going to put that out there. What do you think,
0: well, if you had been a goddess, what would you have been the goddess of?
1: Uh, some type of mischief, probably. Like I definitely would not have been like the beauty or the loved one. It's definitely I would have caused some kind of mayhem every now and again. Like I'm, I'm absolutely sure how you have put my dog Peaches in your D and D as the mischievous, kind-hearted <laughs> but really yeah. disastrous uh, mm. character in your thing. I'm yeah. pretty sure I would be this, somewhere along those lines, which is why I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. I could see <laughs> that for sure. Hmm. I mean, of course, I nothing I, really mean-spirited.
0: Right. Oh, never.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: Um, yeah, I was I was huge into Greek mythology. I also had those, uh, like, books with the, like, images, and I would trace yeah. them out and paint them, and I'd hang them on my wall. That was the kind of kid I was. Yeah. Um, and then... I loved this show called Young Hercules which I I've said it before I was on the Ryan Gosling train before anyone else because I was a nine year old writing him a very very embarrassing fan letter that I hope never made it to him um <laughs> So the, the eyes were dotted with hearts, Samantha. It was a dis, <laughs> disgrace. <laughs> but you can't get that show anywhere. And I taped them all. Like, I would get, oh, it came on at 3 p.m. Yes. and I'd like run in and tape them. And so now mm-hmm. I'm like, could I like turn a profit? <laughs> could I upload these? Because I got do them all think,
1: taped. I was going to say, do you think they withheld? Because you know, not all VHSs are in a great condition for viewing.
0: Well, I, I did. The most recent time I watched them was in college. And there was some, there was <laughs> some, you know, skipping around. <laughs> and the commercials are still there, obviously. But sometimes I would like fast forward through them, you know, and it would yep, record yep. that. Uh, <laughs> but they're still in oh, pretty good shape. I don't have a VCR anymore, though, so I can't test it. Yeah, this is the issue.
1: You need to get a, well, we need a PCR, obviously. Yeah, I'm having flashbacks of me doing the same thing. I think I did that with Green of um, and of Green Gables, except it wasn't yeah. commercials; it was just the long winded uh, GPB here in the Georgia. Their yeah. uh, fundraising because that's one of the only time they yes. play it, uh, and I would pause, try and make it the perfect succinct yeah. movie. I failed. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I did that stuff too. And all of our young girl listeners are like, what are you <laughs> what talking is this about? Nonsense. Don't worry about it. As a kid, we rented our VCRs from the Curtis Mathis. That's how old I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've been rewatching some old Seinfeld episodes and it's been, the, the technology It has been giving me a, a chuckle. Um, but, okay, today we are talking about Madeline Miller's 2018 novel, Circe, which a few of you have recommended, and I actually, I really, really enjoyed it, so thank you for the recommendation. Um, and this is a follow-up to her previous book, The Song of Achilles, um, and she, like, knows her stuff. She has an M.A. in classics, mm-hmm. so... Uh, the book gives the witch from the Greek myth The Odyssey, Circe, a backstory that spans for thousands of years, um, And it was really fun for me because I've obviously, I imagine like most of us, I've read The Odyssey, Mm -hmm. but it was a long time ago. So like I I, I would say I recognize like half the characters, but I knew all of them. I was like, I know, I don't get the the power of this moment, but I know that you're a character and I should know what this (laughs) means. (laughs) Yep, feel the same way. Yeah. um, And uh, Miller said she got the idea because as a kid, she heard about like this witch who could turn men into pigs and she was so excited to read it and then the odyssey it's like 15 lines and she was so disappointed right. so she was like I'm going to give her a story. And yeah, if you need a, if you need a reminder that is Circe's role in the Odyssey. She was this um witch that turned Odysseus's men into pigs, but he challenged her and kind of tricked her with Hermes and she changed them back and then her and Odysseus become lovers for a while and then she helps them when they leave. Oh, um, And probably quick disclaimer, we did look up the Greek pronunciations for things, <laughs> but it might be a bit of a mess, and apologies in advance. Yes. Um, so Miller's work uh, in this book fleshes out Cersei's story. Everything that brings her to that moment in the Odyssey and carries her after it. And it reimagines many of these heroic acts that we've heard in Greek mythology as orchestrations of Circe, or like Circe had something to do with it. Um, And this character has long-inspired writers from Ovid to James Joyce to Margaret Atwood, which is actually a theme in this story that that the men of these Greek myths told these stories uh they they made themselves heroes in them and then it was men who passed those stories on and because of that they were these men were painted as heroes when more often than not you're kind of like well it seems like the lady here did a lot
1: of the work (laughs) She either saved your life or uh sacrificed herself for you so that seems
0: hmm (laughs) yeah maybe you should mention that i don't don't know. know Um, and yeah, there are a lot of cameos from famous Greek mythological characters like Daedalus, Icarus, Jason, Odysseus, Hermes, Artemis, Achilles, Paris, Helen, Apollo, Agamemnon, Athena, uh, just, uh, it was a delight. <laughs> um, and this book, as of now, is getting an eight-part HBO miniseries. Hmm.
1: Anyway, yeah, so... We wanted to start with, obviously, the plot. Uh, so the story follows Circe, a nymph, or a nymphs, were called, but that is not really how the world saw us. Mm-hmm. We were an endless feast laid out upon a table, beautiful and renewing, and so very bad at getting away. <laughs> That's such a great yeah. line, so very bad at getting yes. away. Disturbing. A little bit <laughs> ominous. Uh, and she is the daughter of the god of the sun and one of the most powerful titans, Helios and the nymph. Percy. She is a witch who can use plans and words to cast spells. Her family is not kind to her. Uh, they treat her as a lesser. They describe her voice as frail, the voice of the mortal, obviously. Uh, that she's weak and the weakest of the circles. She's not as beautiful, so therefore she is completely cast aside. Um, Cersei is one of many of Helios' children, including her cruel sister, Pacifey and her brother Perseus, and the younger brother that she helped raise, Aetes. Her family is not kinder, like we said before. And at one point, Helios, her father, burns her in punishment. And throughout the book, we see mul- we see multiple instances of their cruelty uh, and their desire for power.
0: I also love it. I love Pacifey. Sounds like being pacified, yeah. and she's like the opposite. Right? Of that. She's, she's kind like of the meanie of the you. bunch. <laughs> um. In an early formative memory, Circe meets Prometheus just after he has disobeyed Zeus by helping mortals by showing them fire. So it's the night before he is to begin his sentence, chained to a rock for all eternity. Each day, his liver devoured by an eagle, only for the liver to regenerate overnight and the whole process to start all over again, which sounds absolutely miserable. Um, Circe witnesses him being whipped, and after everyone else leaves, including the Furies, who also make a cameo, uh, Circe brings him nectar, even though it is forbidden. And the two have this exchange. You aided mortals, I said. That is why you are punished. It is. Will you tell me what is a mortal like? It was a child's question, but he nodded gravely. There is no single answer. They are each different. The only thing they share is death. You know the word? I know it, I said, but I do not understand. No God can. Their bodies crumble and pass into earth. Their souls turn to cold smoke and fly to the underworld. There they eat nothing and drink nothing and feel no warmth. Everything they reach for slips from their
1: grasp. A chill shivered across my skin. How do they bear it? As best they can. As best they can. So Mm -hmm. while Cersei is not powerful in the traditional goddess sense, she discovers she has a talent for witchcraft, which we all love. Uh, And this is Mm -hmm. something she discovers in the mortal realm, where she falls in love with a young fisherman named Glaucus. She uses her magic to turn him into a god, but finds that becoming a god has made him shallow and cruel. Surprise, surprise. He shows Cersei no gratitude and pretty much tosses her away, refusing to give her any attention. She also uses her magic to transform a nymph and a romantic rival for Glaucus named Scylla into a monster to match her inner personality. Well, damn. Uh, Scylla becomes Mm -hmm. a behemoth, 12 tentacles and six mouths, guarding a strait in the ocean, taking six or 12 men from any boat that attempts passage. Uh, This is something that haunts Cersei over the years. Uh, The death of the mortals caused by Cersei's spells and the mindless monster she's reduced Scylla to.
0: Yeah, and Scylla was... I forgot about Scylla, so that... I had to look up, like, It's yeah. the
1: backstory there? I'm not going to lie, because when I read, I just move on. I kind of didn't give a second glance other than, okay, great, monster character, next.
0: Yeah, so I love this. I love the, the story behind it. Um, Zeus feels threatened by Cersei's power. <laughs> like, king of the gods is like, no lady can have this power. Uh, and commands her father to exile her. Of course he does. So he does to a small, isolated island named Aiaia. So I couldn't find a pronunciation for that. That's just a guess like it. on my part. So apologies <laughs> if I'm way off. Um here, Circe tames animals like lions and wolves. She grows plants and herbs. She works on her magic. She learns how to be independent, um, to braid her hair back and tie her skirts up so they wouldn't catch on twigs. She like learns how to carve and sew and all kinds of things. Um, while there, uh, she encounters many famous figures from Greek mythology. One of the first to appear is Daedalus, who arrives via boat to summon her to attend to her sister's birth. Um, And Cersei is furious about this, uh, but also wants to take the rare chance to break her exile. As far as she knows, it could be her only chance. Um, This journey, of course, required that they pass Scylla. Uh, Daedalus's crew had already lost men on the way to the island. Uh, But with magic and with her wit, Cersei is able to protect the rest of the crew. This is also something that really annoys Cersei because she feels like her sister totally did that on purpose that they had to go that mm-hmm. way and sent the, the boat that way because she knew, <laughs> like, you created this monster. Here you go. Um, so when they arrive, Cersei learns that her sister, who is married to Minos, the king of Crete, has sired a monster with one of her and Cersei's father's sacred white bulls. With Circe's help, she gives birth to the Minotaur. Um, Cersei has a heated confrontation with her sister where her sister lays bare how she sees the world and the golden cages of men that they both inhabit, the horrors and and injustices they both had to navigate because of the men in their lives, and how she thought she and Cersei were alike and how she was disappointed, actually, that they weren't closer as children, which I really loved that whole exchange. And the argument shakes Cersei like the fact that her her sister says that they have something in common is like oh oh yeah this is bad (laughs) I don't like this
1: Um, so Cersei learns that Daedalus and his son Icarus are in prison and Daedalus and Cersei have sex Obviously, uh, with Circe's help, he builds a maze to trap the Minotaur, a creature meant to frighten the citizens of Crete and keep them under control. Now, Daedalus also gives Cersei with a beautiful loom that she takes with her back to her island. Um, and later, Cersei learns that Icarus died during their escape attempt, flying too close to the sun and destroying his wings. And Daedalus dies soon after from heartbreak, supposedly. yeah. Um, One of the next
0: people to visit her island is Medea, her brother Aeti's daughter, and her husband Jason. Uh, Medea begs Cersei for a ritual to wash them clean of blood and crime, and they kind of do this before revealing who they are. Um, So Cersei does, but she learns the story of what brought them there. that in order to protect Jason, Medea had helped him accomplish several feats, including stealing the golden fleece. And as they fled her very angry father, uh, she dismembered her brother and tossed him into the sea, knowing her father would have to stop in his pursuit to perform the rites for her deceased brother. Um Cersei tries to convince Medea that Jason is people will not welcome her, that she will regret going with them, uh, that Medea should stay with her. Uh, but Medea lays into Cersei, essentially calling her lonely and pathetic and trapped, um, desperately trying to keep Medea trapped next to her. <laughs> um, she also reveals the depths of IET's cruelty, perhaps the only family member Cersei had a close relation to uh, at one time, telling Cersei that he... Hates women. Medea leaves with Jason the next day. And later, Cersei finds out that an enraged Medea killed her and Jason's children after Jason betrayed her, unwilling to let anyone have them but her, and then returned to the realm of the gods. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't wrong then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And during all of this, by the way, Cersei learned most of this information from Hermes, whom she had an on and off affair with for over 100 years. So, like, she would learn about Daedalus from him or or Medea from him. Uh, But he treated her like a game, and she grew to detest him before ending up. I mean, she didn't really
1: like him either, but.
0: Yeah, no, they they didn't seem to like (laughs) each other. It was
1: just sort of a thing that they eh, did. You're here. (laughs) I'm here. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, so <laughs> Cersei's cut by Medea's words, and she starts to open her island to lost sailors looking for food and rest. On one such occasion, the captain mm, rapes her when he finds out she's alone on the island. And before the other men can do likewise, she kills the captain and turns the rest into pigs. Uh, she is so consumed with rage and vengeance, she turns any man who comes to her island into a pig. Yes, Boom. so
0: here we arrive at the... <laughs> pig. Odyssey, <laughs> yes, turning men into pigs thing. So, this doesn't change her turning men who visit her island into pigs until the arrival of Odysseus. After Cersei transforms his crew into pigs, Odysseus arrives and he convinces her to transform his men back and allow them to stay for several months. Um, listening to that without reading the book, you might be like, but how, though? Yeah. But they, they kind of like immediately hit it off and had a conversation about right. it. Um so Circe and Odysseus become lovers, and he keeps lengthening his stay longer and longer. Like, maybe I'll just stay another month. Maybe I'll stay in the winter. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and this is despite the fact that Odysseus is, in his words, happily married mm-hmm. and the father to a son he hasn't seen in many mm-hmm. years. And he speaks fondly of them. Um, eventually, Apollo gives Circe a prophecy about Odysseus. Begrudgingly, she shares it with him, and he and his men return home. And just as he's leaving... Circe realizes she is pregnant with his child. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what Circe thinks when she hears the stories and poems of her meeting with Odysseus later. Quote, I was not surprised by the portrait of myself, the proud witch undone before the hero's sword, kneeling and begging for mercy. Humbling women seems to me a chief pastime for poets, as if there can be no story unless we crawl and weep. That speaks
1: volumes. Um, (laughs) And the experience of giving birth is tumultuous is a tumultuous one that Cersei undertakes alone. Um, and when she realizes something is preventing her child from being born, she cuts it from her stomach. Using magic, she learns that the goddess Athena is determined to kill her son, Telegonus, to prevent something he does in the future. Um, Cersei does not back down and instead uses extremely powerful and taxing magic to ward the island so that no god or goddess can set foot on her island. Right. Um... And raising Telegonis
0: proves to be a very arduous task. He is an angry, difficult child that chafes at her protection. Like, he's always trying to run away, and she's always like, no, you're staying right here by my side. Never. Um, and he's constantly looking to the horizon for adventure. As he grows older, he does. He mellows out. He becomes a sweet, curious child. But there's still that thirst to, to go to go somewhere. Right. Um and Cersei tells him these really sanitized tales of his father's adventures, which he just eats up. Um, and anything that isn't flattering, even in the slightest bit, he corrects her, telling her his father was noble and or heroic. He could never do anything wrong. Um, when he's fifteen, Circe learns that with the help of Hermes, which she's not happy about at all, uh, Telegonus has been constructing a boat in order to sail to the kingdom of Ithaca to meet his father Odysseus. Circe um, tries very hard to convince him not to, reminding him of Athena's determination to kill him, um, that he'll be leaving the protection of the island. But despite her terror, Telegonus is determined. And naive. Um, So she weaves spells around and protection spells, and she marches to the darkest, coldest, deepest depths of the waters to confront one of its deadliest creatures, challenging it for its goddess killing tale. Um, It offers to give it to her if she would touch the poison and condemn herself to a life of eternal pain. She does so, but to her shock, the pain does not come. The creature informs her no one has ever passed the test before and commands her to cut off the tail. She has won... She can take the prize. Uh, She does so. She feels very uncomfortable, but she does do it. And she fashions the tail into a goddess-killing spear, although it could really kill just about anything that she gives to her son.
1: (laughs) It's a spear. Yes, it can. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) He leaves but returns shortly after with Odysseus' wife Penelope and his son, Telemachus. Turns out Odysseus went mad without war to distract him, killing subjects and any who would dare defy him. Surprise, surprise. When Telegonus arrived, he mistook him for an attacker, and Telegonus accidentally killed him with a spear. Oops. Um, As Odysseus died, Telegonus told him he was his son, and instead of staying on in Ithaca, Penelope and Telemachus wanted to accompany him to the island of his mother and of the lover Odysseus had told them about. Cersei is immediately suspicious that they want to kill her son, but after confronting them separately, she learns of Odysseus' poor treatment of his family, of his deterioration on Ithaca, that impacted Telegonus and Penelope too. Um, and Cersei also learns that Athena intends to have Telemachus take Odysseus' place as her champion, and that's why Penelope brought him there, so she could have time to repair their relationship. Um, and Cersei agrees to give them a few months only after ensuring an oath of protection from Athena for her son, which is appropriate. Um, Time passes, and Cersei drops the protection. Athena offers Telemachus a chance to build a kingdom and rule, but he turns it down. So, Athena turns to Telegonus instead, and he accepts. Even though it hurts, and she's scared, even though it hurts her, and she's scared, Cersei lets him go.
0: Yeah, and if you're curious, like, uh, Athena was trying to prevent the death of Odysseus, who was her champion. And so she saw Telegonus was going to kill him with the spear that her Circe made to protect him, right. uh, and all he wanted was to meet his dad. But now that Odysseus is dead, she really doesn't care about Telegonus or killing him anymore. Right? She, she wants did. Telemachus, but then she flips real quick. Telemachus is like, nah. <laughs> all right, then I'll go to Telegonus. <laughs> okay. Um, so after Telegonus leaves, Circe confronts her father uh, and blackmails him to lift her exile. When he tells her not to bring shame to the family, she tells him to count her out of it. He's like, you are the least of my four children. And she's like, well, how about you just say you have three children and just leave me out of the whole thing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, She teaches Penelope the basics of witchcraft and then journeys with Talmachus. First to Scylla where she uses a potion to turn her to stone and end her misery and her reign of terror. Uh, then to the beach where she first found the plants that allowed her to turn Glaucos into a god, also her first foray into witchcraft, really. Uh, she picks them. Her and Telemachus become lovers, which was probably the biggest surprise of the whole yeah, thing to me. Yeah. Um, and they return to the island where Penelope has really taken to this witch thing and houses all wayward nymph daughters. That was, this was a, thing that, uh, a task that was put on Cersei, but she shunned it and refused to do it after a right. while. But uh, Penelope has picked it back up. Um, Cersei plants one of the flowers on the island to see if it might grow, and then she imbibes the rest, wishing to become a mortal she sees a vision of a future with Telemachus where they love each other and have two daughters that they travel which is something they've always wanted to do they go to see Te- Telegonus, and that one day she dies and that is the end um, and here, here's the quote Overhead, the constellations dip and wheel. My divinity shines in me like the last rays of the sun before they drown in the sea. I thought once that gods are the opposite of death, but I see now they are more dead than anything, for they are unchanging and can hold nothing in their hands. All my life I've been moving forward, and now I am here. I have a mortal's voice. Let me have the rest. I lift the brimming bowl to my lips and drink. Boom. Yeah. So ends another
1: Greek, not so tragic, but tragic tragedy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> a tragic tragedy as they say there were certainly tragic moments but yeah it was pretty powerful overall yeah. um, but now let's talk about some themes but first let's pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor And we're back. Thank you,
1: sponsor. Yep, and it's time for themes. So let's go ahead and jump into the power and obviously heroes. So recurring theme throughout is the idea of heroes and the people behind them and their stories. Again, we talked about with get Greek myths, there's many a heroes, many a villains. Um, again mm-hmm. and again, we learned that they are complex people with flaws, more than the glossed over legends we read growing up. And more often than not, there was a woman or many women behind them.
0: Yeah, and you see this especially with Odysseus when we learn about him through the lens of those who knew him. Uh, so Telegonus had this beautiful, perfect story in his head of who his father was—the uh, one in the stories we've all read—and this is his mother was telling him these stories. But Telemachus, who had grew up with him well, no, he hadn't grown up with him, but he had seen him when he returned, um, had this really unflinching violent reality that he'd saw, um, as does Circe. Although for her, she interpreted it somewhat differently coming from the world of gods and goddesses and her interpretation changes when she hears the pain it caused, Telemachus, which was a really interesting thing. Um, So through them, we see a more complex character who did have these amazing qualities, but also was quite... Uh, quite flawed Um, this character who needed these adventures these one-time experiences as Cersei calls them to be like the first to be as close to immortality as possible to be the hero in these stories and is absolutely willing to hurt others to achieve it and paint that as a heroic
1: act. Right. Uh, And another theme woven throughout is power and what it can look like, abuse of power and the limitations on how people can achieve it, especially for women. Many of the powerful women in the book are limited by the men in their lives and punished if they transgress. Uh, C.R.C. was banished by her father after her powers frightened Zeus. Uh, Her sister tells of the depths of pain and sacrifice she's made to hold on to power and to please the cruel men in her life power and the thirst of it drives these violent, cruel and or thoughtless gods and goddesses and many of the heroes in their orbit. Right. Um,
0: and another big theme in, these, in this book is loneliness and immortality. Um, and I thought, I thought uh, the author did a really good job of that because it would be difficult to write for someone who just has such a different perspective on... What it is right. to be alive and not to have that fear, and I think the biggest for me, the biggest point of that where I was like, Oh wow, this would be a very strange experience for a goddess was when she gave birth, and she was like, Oh my God, anything could kill this child <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like she didn't really have to worry about that, but um so Let's talk about loneliness first, especially as it does pertain to immortality. Um, Cersei spends centuries alone and isolated, and it leads her to make choices she later regrets. Um, her affair with Hermes, where, uh, when she once treasured his slights as crumbs. Uh, letting down her guard around men that led to her rape. Her absolute determination not to let her son leave her side. Um, her immortality also influences how she sees people. And, and throughout the book, we, we see her mature and age over centuries in what I thought was a really fascinating way because she has just such a longer arc right. <laughs> of time than we do. Um, like we see her counsel Medea and Teligonus, for example, on a, on mistakes that she made in her youth, only to be ignored, of course, Um and the mortality of those she loves terrifies her and saddens her. And yeah, you see that when her first her child is born, and everything becomes really dangerous. Uh, everything is one heartbeat less uh,
1: taking him away from her. On top of the loneliness, there's a layer of betrayal and abandonment, especially by the men in Cersei's life, whether it's her father, her brother, her lover. And this is often after Cersei puts these men first. Male relationships take precedent over sisterly relationships or mother-daughter relationships, for instance. Um, Cersei spends much of her time with her family trying to please her father, to care for her younger brother. And when she gets older, she learns that her sister wanted a relationship with her. Surprise! (laughs) Although it's understandable why Cersei shied away from her, yeah, because, you know, they kind of hated each other, Um, this is something that changes as Cersei ages. And at the end, she rejects her father, reevaluates her younger brother, um, and Cersei comes to see at least a little bit of herself in the women throughout. Many women who start as antagonists ends as something more. Right, and
0: that brings us to uh attitudes towards women that we see in these books <laughs> in this book. Uh, the women are almost always the ones that are punished, or the women lash out against men or women as a way to feel like they aren't in prison as a way to feel like they have some kind of power or agency. Um, women are seen as pawns for the men to dole out and chain in one way or another. There's a lot of slut-shaming, too, and also a lot of judging of Cersei as basically a weird witch spinster lady. Um, <laughs> another thing we see a lot of is women fighting women. And, I mean, like, even in the beginning with uh, Cersei and Scylla, which Cersei does kind of by the end of the book, that's like one of her final acts right. as the book ends, as she goes and tries to make that Right. Um, and most of the women who do succeed in this world do so through cruelty, like Cersei's sister, Are kind of by, like, Cersei's sister, I, I just found her so fascinating, because um, she kind of, she didn't really succeed, but she was as close as I imagine you can get in this, like, really male-dominated right. world, and that's why she was so cruel. right? And, like, cut you to the bone, because she had to play the game. Right. And she was miserable for it. Like she said, she talked about all the pain she went through and the sacrifices she made. But she was also like, yeah, pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yes, uh, these women were often cruel to other women. And I remember I wrote this down on a notepad when I was reading it and I just wanted to put it in here uh, because there's definitely a vibe of, lady, get married or you are nothing. And if no one wants to marry you, you're nothing. Right. <laughs>
1: Wow. It was pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, throughout. The entire book, all the women are definitely pandering to men. Yeah, they're trying to get that
0: heroic man... When really, again, they were the ones probably behind the whole
1: thing. (laughs) And could care less if they were there or not. Um, Mm -hmm. So going back to that hero worship thing, we see so many men taking credit (laughs) for Mm -hmm. women's work and making themselves the hero of the story. It's particularly exemplified in the marriage between Jason and Medea after Medea had used magic to save him again and again and pretty much got that golden fleece for him. Yet when he tells a story, he's obviously the hero. And people remember him as the hero and pass that story on. Uh, it's written, she, Medea, was silent a long moment. What of Jason? Let him be a hero. You are something else. And what is that? In my mind, I saw us already. Our heads bent together over the purple flowers of Aconite, the black roots of Moli. I would rescue her from her tainted past. A witch, I said, with unbound power. Who need answer to none but herself?
0: But, Medea says no to that. <laughs> and we'll talk about that more later. Uh, then there's the fact that Circe lies to her son about the acts of his father, is to protect the child's image of him. And it really emphasizes, or at least to me, that saying behind every great man, there is a woman. Um, there's also many instances of women making sacrifices that go ignored for love, only to be discarded or otherwise punished. Also, in that example with Medea and Jason... Uh, Jason, even at this early stage, was clearly scared of Medea like and her power and was already kind of trying to distance himself, <laughs> even though she'd gotten him that fleece pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, here's another quote. The nymphs wafted around me. Their smothered laughter drifted down the halls. At least I told myself it was not their brothers who would have bragged and fought and hunted down my wolves. But of course there was never a real danger. Sons
1: were not punished. Hmm. So there are so many tales of keeping wives in chains, of torturing them, of pretty much disposing of them, uh, keeping powerful women tamed in golden cages, making them smaller, promises of false power, uh, of men afraid of powerful women, keeping knowledge of magic to themselves, or punishing women for it, seriously, specifically. To an island by herself, mm-hmm. um, and when describing her niece, the demigoddess Medea, uh, now that I knew who she was, such meekness looked absurd on her, like a, like a great eagle trying to hunch down to fit inside a sparrow's nest.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I loved that quote. Um, which brings us to something we talk about a lot on this show: yeah. women getting revenge. revenge. <laughs> but first, let's pause for one more quick break for word from our sponsor. back thank you sponsor and yes we are back with <laughs> women getting revenge because there are so many instances of it and revenge in general but specifically in this case women getting revenge uh you've got cersei's sister cursing her husband for cheating by turning his sperm into stinging insects that killed
1: the women who slept with which sounds horrible. which is really funny that it killed the woman instead of him
0: I guess it was. Really. Yes, again.
1: <laughs>
0: again, women punishing other women and seeing disposable. Women is disposable. Um, then, of course, there's Circe killing and burning the man who raped her and turning his crew into pigs. After that, she punishes any men who come to her island uh, with the same. She turns them into pigs. Um, especially when they learn she's a woman alone and they do not care that she is a goddess. Yeah, uh, yeah she'll... She has, like, this whole wine set up. She puts a drug in the wine and says a magic word, fall asleep, turn into pigs. And she doesn't stop doing this until Odysseus and later admits to herself that she almost lost herself to cold fury, that she was turning men into pigs indiscriminately. Uh, And that is another recurrent theme in the book, regret. And that's one of my favorite quotes is, uh, do not take my regret from me. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm
1: -hmm. So here's another quote, uh, mistress. It was later again. When will your husband be home? We would toast such fine hospitality. I laughed. Oh, I do not have a husband. He smiled back. Of course, he said. You're too young to be married. Then it is your father, we must think. It was full, dark outside, and the room glowed warm and bright. My father lives far away, I said. I waited for them to ask who he was. A lamp lighter, that would be a good jest. I smelled myself. Then perhaps there's some other host we should think. An uncle, a brother. If you would thank your host, I said, "Thank me. this house is mine alone." And at that word, the air changed the room.
0: Yeah, so this was a really like Ugh. terrifying because he was trying to find out there's a man He's there. probing, yeah yeah, um, so that after that, uh, Circe is raped um by the captain and then kills him and turns the crew into pigs um and And then we see much later, uh here's another quote. Mistress, the leader would say, do not tell me that such a beauty as yourself dwells all alone. Oh, yes, I would answer, quite alone. He would smile. He could not help it. There was never any fear in him. Why should there be? He had already noted for himself that there was no man's cloak hanging by the door, no hunter's bow, no shepherd's staff, no sign of brothers or fathers or sons, no vengeance would follow after. If I were valuable to anyone, I would not be allowed to live alone. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that's something that really hurts her too is her father surely knew that this was going to happen right. and did happen and did not come. Um, even though she is a powerful witch, she is a woman alone in the world and has to use techniques of self-defense that all women can recognize. That's something else I liked about this book is even though it's like gods and goddesses, right. there are these themes that you're like, no, I can relate to right. that.
1: Right. Oh, man. Obviously, another thing that we have talked about many a times uh, is motherhood, specifically single motherhood, which is a big part of this book. Uh, When Cersei gives birth, she is alone and terrified, more terrified than she has ever been. She can feel a goddess trying to hold her baby back to kill it, but she fights harder than she has ever fought. Um, And after the baby is born, despite being a difficult baby that cries and fights, uh, she realizes she would do anything to protect him. And she does. With her magic, she is able to keep Athena out. She walks to the darkest depths of the ocean and accepts the deal given to her for unending pain in exchange for the god-killing weapon to protect her son, the weapon that would later kill the father, uh, Odysseus, when Telegonus journeys to meet him, causing her son great pain. Uh, And she describes raising her son as the most difficult of her life, that she's always exhausted, which sounds about right and her waking hours consumed with worry and work and letting him go is one of the hardest things she has ever had to do oh, and she finds so much strength in motherhood she learns even she doesn't know just how powerful she is and just what she can do
0: yeah and I loved that too of her trying to figure out she, again she's not mortal so she's like oh I gotta make all these diapers this isn't enough diapers oh my god <laughs> it's hungry again it's still food oh no <laughs> um so I I wanted to end on this quote, which I loved. It is a common saying that women are delicate creatures, flowers, eggs, anything that may be crushed in a moment's carelessness. If I had ever believed it, I no longer did. Um, <laughs> and this is what Cersei thinks after talking to Odysseus' wife, uh, Penelope. And yeah, that whole scene really drives home how terrifying being a parent can be in this single motherhood and and the strength of, of women in and, and these stories, right. um, which I loved because, yeah, when you read those Greek myths, they are mostly about, like, the male heroes right. and then the duplicitous, like, right. female goddesses messing with things um, or the, the, like, really attractive young lady that caused a war or something. Right. Like, so it was good to get this different take, fleshed out, complex
1: female characters I loved it. Right. They're usually side characters who just give birth to babies, half gods, mm-hmm. who oftentimes didn't have a choice in being impregnated. So <laughs> this yeah, is definitely and a often, story. like <laughs> either
0: killed or disappears. <laughs> tossed aside. <Just> disappears.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So I highly recommend it. Um, and we would love your recommendations for what our next book club yes, pick should be. Yes. Yes. You can send those to our email, which is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Oh, thanks, Andrew. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.